Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss supply chain or inflation and try to determine what the real question is. Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. Yeah, supply chain. Have you gone a day without saying the word supply chain? I mean, seriously, you're either standing in the store and someone's telling you you can't get something because of supply chain, or we're hearing about materials not being able to make it to the shops because of supply chain. So definitely hitting a hot topic here, Miles. Well, it's certainly been the top item on the news for most of the year, and as as you're right. I mean, we go to the store, we see empty shelves. Yeah. As consumers, we go to the store, we see empty shelves. In fact, I take pictures, send them to my wife. The cookies are gone, right? The crackers are gone. It's empty. A year ago, it was toilet paper and cleaning supplies. But now, you can't figure it out. I, yeah, there is no rhyme or reason. You knew what was going to be missing. Now, you have no idea. Or... They say it's coming, and then it gets delayed and gets delayed and gets delayed, and yeah, we've all lived it right now. So I love that we are talking about this today, and I'm very excited to hear what your take is on the supply chain. Well, uh, let's see if we can figure, figure this out. So I think we've all been bombarded with pictures of the ports on the West Coast. Oh, yes. You know, we've seen the containers stacked to the sky. We've heard everybody being blamed, uh, the docks, the longshoremen, the truck the drivers. Trucks. There's not enough trailers. I mean, the environmental rules, they can't idle, can't have old trucks. I mean, there's just so much coverage of that. But I think there's a lot more to this than just a big traffic jam in Los Angeles and Oakland. Well, and I'm glad you say that because there has to be. I mean, the the ships have been coming in for years and years and years. So why now? What the heck is going on? So what do you think's going on? Well, I I think that we've got to figure out what the real question is. And so there's really three three ideas that I think you and I can explore today. Is, in fact, the supply chain broken? I mean, how can it be broken when there's 75 ships at anchor, right? Doesn't look like the supplies aren't coming, right? Yeah. Um, do we have the capacity in this country? And, you know, is there global capacity? And are we using it mm-hmm. is the second question. And then uh, I think the real question is, why are we buying a world away when we could get the same item and maybe even a better quality and lower environmental impact and better economic social outcomes by buying from our friends and neighbors locally? So I've got a couple of questions, and, and they're not really biased towards a broken supply chain. Okay. Well, let's let's start with your first thing there. Is the supply chain broken? You're saying no. Well, I 
I think that it's the wrong question. I don't think the supply chain is broken. I think it's overloaded by demand. Oh, okay. That makes sense. There's a lot of spending going on right now. Well, there has to be. There has to be. Personal earnings fell by $860 billion in second quarter last year due to COVID. Okay? Yeah. So the government, you know, thankfully, the government stepped up, said, we need, we need to help, help our nation. And so they stepped up with transfer payments. And by golly, they came up with $2.5 trillion in transfer payments. Trillion. Trillion, yes. Trillion. But you, before you said the loss was billion. Yeah, it's, yeah. Billion. Yeah. So, and so now we're so 860 billion is one third, one third of 2.5 trillion. We overcompensated. So there's more money out there to spend. There's three times as much money out there as was needed. And guess where it went? Where did it went? <laughs> Consumer savings increased by 33.3% Ta-da. last year. An all-time high, or at least since 1960, when a $5 bill was like a, 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 a whole meal out, right? Wow. So, For two. Okay, so <laughs> With a drinks. Third, a third of that went into the, save, went back, went into the banks. People are saving it. Well, or two-thirds. I mean, they got three times as much money as they supposedly were were out. So there's an abundance of cash. Yeah. And my theory is that that abundance of cash is now able to be spent without guilt. So it, it was, it's kind of like winning the lottery. You, you got this. It's the house's money. Right. I, I, I was compensated for what I was literally out, and I also got another two times that amount. And so now I have discretion. And you know what? That 60-inch TV looks pretty good. Yeah, the one that's been out of reach for so long. And guess where that comes from? Overseas. Overseas. Guess oh where it my is. Gosh. Guess where it is. I'm having an aha moment here, Miles. So more money in the system, more spending, and yeah, electronics are a big part of that spending, so that'd be coming from overseas. Absolutely. But the the point is that those kind of goods mm-hmm. are the kind of goods that are parked on boats offshore. Right. That need to come in on containers, get the container put on a trailer, get the trailer to a warehouse, get the warehouse to unload the container, and then transship to everywhere. I like this theory. You're basically saying the supply chain isn't broken. It's just being stretched very, very thin. It's overloaded. So so, uh, when inflation first came out, I was a youngster, and we talked about... uh, cost push inflation Mm -hmm. and that's the cost went up and then the price went up but this is different this is demand pull inflation we've got so much money we increase demand and we're pulling and so the prices go up because there's more money to be had so 
I don't think the supply chain's broken. I think the supply chain is rated at, you know, 200 containers a day and or 2,000 containers a day, and we're demanding 10,000 containers a day, and that's that's an overload. I think it's overloaded. You could say stretched, overloaded. It's intention. If it's a chain, it's intention. It hasn't broke, but it's overloaded. It's overloaded. That makes sense. All right, so speaking of loads, you were talking about capacity. Like, do we have capacity? Yeah, yeah. So, so we do have capacity. Um, the Federal Reserve just put out their industrial production numbers, and for September to September 21, from September 2020 to September 2021, uh, our production only increased by 1.4 percent. And in their in their uh, release, the Fed says. Capacity utilization for manufacturing remained below the long-term average. And I just did our latest report, and it's, it's the same thing. So we have unused capacity, according to the Federal Reserve. So how is our supply chain broken if we have capacity left, brilliant people in Washington, D.C.? I'm not answering that. <laughs> You're not in Washington, D.C.? I know, and I'm really glad for it, too, right now. Right. So so I th we do have capacity, and our industry is a, a shining example. We've been working overtime. We've got extended lead times, but we're still producing parts. And we're producing parts despite the constraints that we face and can't get this and can't get that we're still producing and working overtime. And in fact, we're at our second highest level ever on our business trends. And you were talking about the demand pull inflation. So inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. So that explains a lot. It does. It really it does. does. It does. It really so, does. Uh, you know, my diagnosis, supply chain <laughs> over overworked. <laughs> Over, overloaded, overstretched, but still delivering product. So we have capacity, and that's why you're encouraging local? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you look at the uh, cash assistance, that, that $2.5 trillion. Trillion you with know, a T, yes. Guess, guess what that number is kind of close to? Just take a wild guess. My student debt? <laughs> well, well, that should probably be another podcast because you can be a precision machinist and not go into debt to get a great career. But so what is the close? Imports of finished goods, imports of goods, I can't say finished, imports of goods into the U.S. in 2018, which was the last year I could find, was, drum roll please, $2.6 trillion. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Hello. The government managed to give us the amount of money we needed to cover our imports, although that wasn't what it was that captioned wasn't the as, intention, yeah. But it's just like a magical thinking, magical coincidence. And what are those imports? What are those imports, you might ask? I, I am. I'm asking, Miles. Yeah. What well, are those imports? The top importers for for the U.S. are Walmart, Target, Home Depot, 
Lowe's, Ashley Furniture, Dole, Samsung America, Family Dollar and Dollar Tree, LG Group, and Chiquita. Top 10 importers by container count. Well, those are retail. They're retail. Those They're are consumer. Retail. There's mm -hmm. no industrial equipment in those containers for those 10 companies. There's no aluminum bar stock in those containers from those companies. Are we seeing a pattern? I'm seeing a pattern. Right. When we look at the top imports for our country by dollars, uh -huh. those, those companies don't show up. Our top imports by dollars are machinery, and that includes computers now, nowadays, because who's seen a machine without a computer, right? right? <laughs> okay, electrical machinery, minerals and fuels, oils, pharmaceuticals, medical equipment and supplies, furniture, lighting, and signs, plastics, gems, precious metals, and organic chemicals, top imports by dollar. They're not directly purchased by the consumer. That's true. Way different than retail. I mean, yeah, with the one exception of furniture, lighting, and signs. Okay, maybe that's, you yeah. know, the furniture, maybe somebody got a new couch and a painting over it. Okay. So if we look at all the U.S. goods that are imported uh, as consumers, it's only one-third of consumer spending. So then what about the other two-thirds of the, what, eight trillion in consumer expendi expenditures? Local. Buy local. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Buy local. Buy local. So we had our annual Christmas holiday walk in Medina. It's a charming city. The last vestige of Norman Rockwell's vision of America, candlelight walk, and every shop on the square had a sign. What did the sign say? Now hiring? Well, that's, <laughs> that's the other sign. It also had one that says buy local. Oh, that's Shop right. local. Shop Medina. <laughs> Support your small business. Support your local business. Sure. And if it's, it's good for us, to support our local business, if it's good for us to buy local at the farmer's market in the summer and get fresh vegetables and know who the family that planted them and brought them in and, and that, if that's good, why wouldn't we have that same, same feeling for the products? For manufacturing. The manufactured goods that we need in our homes. So true. So... When we think about local, it's not, the first thing that comes to your mind might be, okay, yeah, let's keep the money local. But it's more than the money, it's the jobs of our friends. It's the jobs of our neighbors. It's the jobs of our children. Mm -hmm. It's the cultural positivity of everybody's working. Everybody feels they have you know, value, value yeah. and, and, and are part of the part of the economy, part of the community, contributing. I mean, it's it's win win. Why wouldn't I want to buy from my neighbor, from my friend? I I get it. I that makes total yeah. sense. Makes yeah. total sense. You you would. You want to support locally. Right. 
whether it's a farmer or the manufacturer. And, and our PMPA member companies are absolutely hitting it out of the ballpark. I guess it, they're putting it in the hoop, right? Uh, <laughs> he says that because we went to a basketball game last they're night. They're putting it in the hoop in that we're working record hours. Our deliveries are at near record levels. Our sales are at like the second highest level ever. Um, in 2010, after getting through the Great Recession, our business trends index was 100. A month ago, it was 157, and I just posted the, the latest one, and it's 149, tied for second place ever. Wow. We're working. We're working overtime. These are we're, usually the low months, right? That, yeah, this is, this is, this is our slow year. time. This is our slow time, and yeah. we are in, you know, record record-breaking territory and yet and yet the federal reserve reports the production fell 1.3 percent in september manufacturing output decreased by seven tenths of a percent but our pmpa shops that reported in aggregate had sales increases of over five percent 70 companies reporting it's a good sample it's a great sample and it just shows it's back to the look how essential we are look how much it value we give to the economy to the communities to add to your points we're selling local we're not putting pallets of parts on airplanes to go to taiwan we're selling to companies in in the u.s and canada in, in North America, right? We're outperforming the Fed's industrial production numbers by a multiple, by, by a small integer multiple, okay? <laughs> they had five, we had 5.3, they had 0.7, right? They fell 1.3. I mean, it's a huge gap. Huge. Here's the point. We're the link that's keeping production going. You're not going to make a car if we don't ship auto parts. You're not going to make a battery electric if we don't make the parts that you need to cool the dark, darn battery pack. You're not going to make food handling equipment and K-ways and dispensers for convenience stores and restaurants if we don't make stainless steel nozzles and food-grade components. So are you, do you think the supply chain for our shops is broken if we're working that much? Imagine, you know what's frightening about this whole topic, Carly, mm. is imagine what we could do if we didn't have to beat the bushes to find the aluminum we need oh. to, because of the tariffs. If we didn't have to find the steel and pay these high prices and, and delivery out months. And, and I mean, imagine what we could do. Right, and if you had all the employees you needed to run all of your machines. Absolutely, and, yeah. that aren't sitting at home because their bank account is full and they don't really need to, you know, pay, yeah. a, pay a bill today. So, okay, if, if you can't get something at the store and somebody blames the supply chain, what do you, what do you want our listeners to think about? There's a difference in the supply chain story between retail and industrial. 
And I'm here to say that your friends and neighbors who are makers, who make things, who make the things that make a difference, they're on the job, they're delivering, and that supply chain is thriving. If you need some imported bauble, it's languishing on a boat offshore in L.A. or Oakland, and that's not made by your friends and neighbors. That supply chain is, in fact, the victim of many gaps. They have gaps with trailers. They have gaps with manpower. They have gaps with capacity. Think a second time about what you purchase. Is it a need? Is it a want? And regardless of whether it's a need or a want, can you buy local? Do your homework. Do your homework. And share the love. Your friends, your neighbors, your community, our country, your state. Everybody benefits when we're all adding value and making things that make a difference. So is the supply chain broken? No. Is it overloaded? Yes. Is there too much cash changing too few goods? Yes, especially in the consumer area. But in manufacturing, especially precision manufacturing, we're making it happen. And that wraps up today's podcast on supply chain or inflation. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because, let's face it, you don't want to miss one. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because Because we we are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.